Well, let's turn to the book of Revelation. It's a book we've not been in and feels like quite a while, but we are going to be here tonight. Uh, the book of Revelation, verse 16, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, we were going to start, we will start in chapter 16. I, I don't believe there's any way we're going to finish chapter 16 tonight, but we will start uh, particularly with the first seven verses, Revelation 16, 1 through 7, will get us through the first of the first three vile or bold judgments here. And uh, then we'll look at, Lord willing, next week we'll look at the closing of those bold judgments or vile judgments. Um, so, for, uh, for us tonight, Revelation, the 16th chapter, and we will begin in verse 1 and go through verse 7. And as always, if you would please, if you're physically able to do so, stand with me as we honor the reading of God's holy and written word. Revelation, the 16th chapter, verse 1, this is the word of the Lord to us tonight. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of the wrath of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon which worshipped his image. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea." And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of the waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, You are righteous, O Lord, which are and were and shall be, because you have judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Let's pray. Father. Again, this is your word. May you now bless the reading of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So it is, uh, there are some things I I think that are uh, very um, noteworthy for us tonight. There are some things I think we really do well to take notice of. First is, if you remember back in chapter 15, we, uh, there were the angels in the temple uh, that, uh, that had, uh, that, that appeared and had been previously mentioned, and they, they had done so within the sanctuary. Uh, and the redeemed multitude served the Lord day and night at that point, uh, as we were told earlier in Revelation. Matter of fact, uh, in uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 7, uh, in verse 15, it says, And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every freeman, uh, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks, of mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, "Follow us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne in the wrath of the Lamb." So these these people within the sanctuary were standing in opposition and in opposite of those that were crying out and asking asking the the hills and the mountains to protect them and to help them. Uh, and so we see a very distinct difference here between the the, the people of God and the people of the world. And it's interesting that a place, if you think about it, the temple, right here in chapter uh, 15 and 16, it is interesting that as you think of this as a place of worship and a place of prayer, a place where uh, the offerings of God are being offered uh, by the saints of God in in prayer and in adoration to Him, God now takes and He completes His judgment upon uh, upon the nations and upon the world for not bowing their knee to him. Uh, matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 16, what you or, yeah, 16, what you'll see is the fulfillment, the continued fulfillment and the ultimate fulfillment of 
Earlier in the book, when we had the saints of God underneath the throne of God, crying out, how long, O Lord, until you take, you know, until you, until you uh, 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 have retribution um, because, of the, the, because we are martyrs and because of our blood, right? Um, he now, this is now God doing and, and fully f- uh, fulfilling that reality or that, that prayer and, and pressing that forward. So what we see in Revelation chapter 16 really is the activity of God and press God's pressing his work into the world and among the nations for his glory and his honor's sake uh, in this instance uh, in wrath. Uh, but it is interesting that there is a chilling reality that we do come face to face with without, throughout scripture that, that God is pressing his work in, into the, the world and through the work of the gospel through the nations but when that grace and that gospel and that mercy is refused, ultimately, there comes a point when judgment must fall and judgment is justified. So think of it. God is at work to convict men of their sin. He is convicting men of their unrighteousness through the gospel and vindicating his holiness and his goodness in saving sinners. And he is good and right when he judges the wicked. And it's interesting here in chapter 16 and verse 1, as the chapter opens, uh, John simply says uh, he's returning from, uh, you know, he's, he's been seeing all of this and now he returns to the idea of hearing. Uh, and he says, and I heard a great voice. Uh, I think ultimately this great voice that John hears is the voice of God himself. Um, the text doesn't specifically tell us that, but um, that's my opinion, and, and uh, you, know, you may have a different one, that's fine, but I think it is the voice of God, and that's why John refers to his voice as a great voice, um, drawing back into the, the voice of Jesus that he heard in, John, in Revelation chapter 1. And God here is showing forth in the usage of this grace voice uh, his sovereign rule and reign over the nations. His sovereign rule and reign over the nations of men and the affairs of mankind. It is interesting, however, that God's sovereign work is accomplished through, the, through means and the usage of means. And in this particular instance, it is the angels that God uses to pour out his wrath upon the nations and to execute the judgment that he has written. And so God's sovereignty uh, not only uh, means that he has determined the ends but he has also determined the means to those ends. And so God is sovereign in every way to do this. I think the other thing that really is, uh, before we get into these bowls or these vials, um, I think it is important for us to, to really understand and to grow, uh, or, or to, to really understand the usage of what John is doing here. John has employed previously, if you remember back in chapter 8, John has talked about the, eight tr- uh, the, I'm sorry, the seven trumpets. Uh, and we saw how those seven trumpets really did, um, uh, they really did play off of uh, the, the ten plagues in Egypt. Well, here, again, these seven bowls are going to coincide with the seven trumpets and, again, bring forth the idea of the ten plagues of Egypt. So, let me give you a for instance here. So, the first bowl and what happens with the first bowl in chapter 16 and verse 2 when it says... Um, <clears throat> and the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast upon which worshipped his image. 
Uh, and <clears throat> you, you go back to chapter 8 of Revelation, and you will see in chapter 8 in verse 7 where it says, And the first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and a third of the trees was burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. So this is, this is, this is drawing us back to the, to the idea again of, of God's work, not only through the trumpets, but now through the bowls. And so you had the second bowl in Acts 16.3, and then the second trumpet in 8.8-9, 8, 8 and then the first plague, right? Oh, I'm sorry, but I should have said the uh, under under the first bowl and the first trumpet um, would have uh, the, there would have been the sixth plague that would have been uh, the parallel and and vice versa so you can go on so for instance the second bowl and the second trumpet um, is parallel to the first plague in Exodus 7 20 and 21 and then you can go right on down the line all the way to the seventh bowl which coincides with the seventh trumpet ultimately then reminding us of the seventh plague that is that it fell upon the nation of Israel uh, Egypt not Israel but Egypt and I think if you, if you know anything about your Old Testament, you'll also, it'll also bring to your memory and your mindset the fact that these same things were not only something promised upon the nations, but even God's people in, in Leviticus chapter 26, if they forsook the Lord, God promised that God would, if they, if they refused to follow him, if they turned away from him, he would execute the plagues of Egypt upon them. Uh, but only seven times worse than Egypt had tasted them. Uh, and so it is interesting that as we look throughout this, we see the correlation of it throughout the Old Testament. And, and here are the last plagues, right, poured out on the earth, these seven bowls. Uh, they are terrible, but they have a positive effect. You say, well, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is judgment. How can judgment have a positive effect? To which I would simply say to you, that although these judgments certainly are terrible, I mean, Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 10.31 that, that, uh, that the judgment of God is a terrible thing, but they have a positive impact insofar as they are purging creation from evil in preparation for what God is going to do uh, by, by bringing forth the new Jerusalem. And, and, and these seven bowls, these seven vials that are poured out on the earth are in answer, as I said, to these prayers of the saints, Right? Um, that we've already talked about. And historically, let me say this. This is what happens historically to the nations when they refuse to do exactly what the psalmist says in Psalm 2 for the nations to do, to kiss the son lest he be angry. And the nations that refuse to kiss the son will reap the judgment of God. Uh, whether in positive ways through, through, their, through Christ uh, redeeming sinners uh, in their midst and, and bringing about uh, uh, salvation or through uh, what we would say negative effects whereby they are ultimately judged and uh, God's wrath falls upon them. But it is interesting as we begin to look at each one of these bowls or each one of these vials here in Revelation chapter 16, the first vial, the first bowl here, um, we are said, we come face to face with in chapter 16, verse 2, when it just says, and the first went, that's the first angel, went and poured out his vial or his bowl upon the earth. All right. Now notice this. Uh, did you, uh, every, every time that a vial or a bowl here, right, is poured out, um, it is exactly that. It is poured out. Um, and, and, and it is important that we understand this because what it brings to our attention and our minds is that God in pouring this out is, is fulfilling and ultimately dumping out 
his wrath upon the nations. He is fully and freely doing this, not because not because he he rejoices in the in the rebuke of the nation or the 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 death of the wicked, but because he does rejoice in the vindication of his goodness and the faith of his people. And so it does, it does keep, we do need to keep in mind that as these happen, sometimes we can get sort of into this idea that, well, okay, so this one's going to happen and then this one's going to happen. But these are all happening. All of this is happening in very rapid succession. Every bit of this is happening in very rapid succession. Because by the time you get to the fifth bowl, the sores are still being experienced from the first bowl, right? So, so this, is, this is all happening, not necessarily simultaneously, but it is happening one after the other, after the other, after the other in very uh, quick, sequential uh, fashion. And it is interesting that this plague is upon who? Well, the plague is upon, as we're told here in the text, first upon those who have the mark of the beast. In other words, Christian, you can't hide, I can't hide, we can't hide who we serve. It's impossible for us to hide who we serve. Uh, Whether this is a physical, literal mark or if this is a symbolic mark is really beside the point. The reality is, is that if you serve the beast, it is going to be clear that you serve and worship the beast. And if you worship Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you are going to serve and worship Christ. And it's poured upon them, not just because they they have the... the, 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 um, uh, the ownership of the beast upon them, but because they have the ownership of the beast, this they they have they have they have sold themselves out to worshiping this beast, this this antichrist beast, and this this beast which is the actual is the actual plague upon the earth, right? He becomes a a a he's a very wicked being, and because of this, God Himself pours out upon the earth. This this sore this the the the, the King James says a noisome um, the the understanding here would be a, a a very loathsome a very disgusting a very vile um, th- uh, wound that is that is poured out it's a I, I, you may even be able to use the word hideous and dreadful this is this is a disgusting. Um, uh, sore and and a disgusting plague that is poured out upon those who are worshiping the beast and the, who are who are serving the beast. Uh, God doesn't hold anything back when he finally decides to judge the nations. And so he does this first by pouring out the 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 the, the sores. The closest thing that I can possibly imagine to this that I think the Bible speaks to of this is found in the book of Job. Um, Job of course for for very different reasons. Right, uh, Job, for very different reasons, had had these boils and these sores, but it talks about in the book of Job how he would he was completely disfigured, and there was there was uh, uh, not to be too graphic, but there, there was there was these boils that would just bust and pus, and he would literally to find relief just have to scrape, sit in ashes, and rub ashes all over him, and just sit and scrape with a with a with a with a pot shard or a piece of pottery, broken pottery, just these sores, just to find relief. And I think that's the idea here, is that these are going to be that type of a hideous, disgusting boil and sore. Um, these are not going to be, um, these are not going to be little, uh, as, as painful as little boils can be, or boils at all can be to come up upon somebody. That's not the idea here. That isn't it just, well, you know, I got a boil and it hurts, 
But these are very disgusting, hideous, dreadful boils that come upon those who worship the beast, the, the Antichrist beast. And then we, have a, then we have a second reality here. As the, the first bowl is emptied out and these begin to pop up and begin to come upon those who are worshiping the beast. In chapter, uh, chapter 16 and verse 3 it says, And the second angel poured out his vial, or his bowl, upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. Of course, hearkening back to Exodus chapter 7, right, where uh, Moses uh, uh, was told to strike the water and, and the, uh, the water turned to blood. Well, th that's the same idea, and we've seen that before um, with uh, the, the wormwood and the, the, when, we, when we saw the, the falling of, of wormwood and the, the, the bitterness of the, of, the, of the seas and the bitterness of the drinking water. Well, now um, they become like blood. The whole, all of the seas become like blood, but, but not just the seas, and we'll see that in just a moment. This is a unit so that so that the waters are universally going to be affected when this happens. And that's that's <clears throat> that's what it says. And, and it is amazing here. It says and every living soul died in the sea. Now, understand, like, like it, it, can you imagine the stench of 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 every being in the ocean dying, right? Uh, and, and, and then all of the fish and the, the mammals, the whales, everything that's in the ocean just, just dying because of this, and the stench and the stink of, of, of such, a, such a profound judgment upon the oceans. It, 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 would, be, it would be indeed dreadful and horrible, uh, and, and, and it, it, because it is, it is fatal, uh, it, it becomes fatal to, to all the souls, right, that were marked by life. And so this would be trillions and trillions of sea creatures died and floating in horrible rottenness of the water. Um, just, a, just a horrible, horrible thing, a horrible reality. Uh, and and it, it, is, um, uh, it, it is an environmental disaster, right, like, like, you know, we talk about uh, global warming and, and all the stuff that goes along with that. Well, try this on for size. Uh, this is going to be something on a massive scale unlike ever seen before. Um, and life itself is going to become a very precious commodity because of it. But then there's a third bowl, and this happens in chapter, four, verse, uh, chapter 16, verses 4 through 7. Look what it says here. It says, And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters say, You are righteous, O Lord, which are and were and shall be, because you, are, you have judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So notice what happens with this third bowl. So not only are the, are the oceans of the world universally affected, um, and this is one of the reasons why you'll find in the book of Zechariah where the Lord descends upon the mountain and the earth splits and waters of life come flowing out uh, from, uh, from the altar there and it goes and it cleanses the nations and it cleanses the, it cleanses the waters of the, of, the, uh, of the world. It's because of this. Um, this disgusting, horrible judgment that has fallen upon the world and the nations and the waters. And um, the, there is no amount of fresh water that is not, uh, that is not touched. That's why it uses the phrase, phrases that it does. It says, and he poured it upon the rivers, 
right? So uh, all the freshwater rivers. And it says the fountains of water. In other words, all of the springs from which waters, the waters, the, the fresh waters that we receive are being poured out. And, and all they're, they're becoming like blood. They're becoming as blood. And no one is going to be able to drink this. This is, again, uh, life is going to become very, very uh, scarce because of the, the judgment that God pours out upon the nations because of this. Um, this is going to be, and I use this word spectacular, not in a, not in a sense of, man, that was a spectacular event, uh, but a spectac- I use the word spectacular perhaps in that this is going to be a spectacle unlike anything the world has ever seen before. It's going to be a spectacle unlike anything that has ever been seen before or experienced before in the world's history. This is going to be a, a horrible time. And it is interesting that we would see, right? So what we can imagine that upon the earth there is great, there is great sorrow and, and, and mourning. Uh, these, these vials, these bowls that have been poured out are meant to bring forth what? Just like in Egypt, it was meant to bring forth, uh, the purpose of them are to bring forth repentance, but the world, the nations continue to harden their hearts, just like Pharaoh. They continue to say, who is the Lord? And they continue to shake their fist in the, in the face of God. They continue to, to renounce the God of, 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 of the nations. Uh, and and so, so often you'll hear people say, well, lost people don't have a covenant with God. They most certainly do. Uh, you say, well, well, now, wait a minute, what do you mean they have a covenant with God? Well, just by the fact of creation, there is a creation covenant that mankind uh, has entered into because they are, they owe their very, we owe our very existence to the God of the universe. And whether or not, whether or not any, anyone recognizes that is meaningless. Uh, God, God doesn't care whether or not you or I or anyone else recognizes the fact that he is our creator and he is the one who has purposed us and he is the one that has created us and set us in our proper boundaries and places. The reality is that, that whether or not we ever recognize God as, as being the, the God of the nations, the, God, the sovereign Lord of all the earth and of all mankind, uh, all mankind owe God their allegiance and their worship. They owe him their, their praise, and they owe him their absolute uh, humili- humility uh, by coming to him in, in grace through faith in Christ. But the nations don't, unfortunately, as we see here. Um, uh, and, and so every knee will bow, ultimately. And this will be done in one of two ways. I think ultimately through, through the, the, the bending and the bowing of knees because the gospel is victorious and is victoriously going forward and is victoriously bringing sinners into faith, uh, uh, into, in, into, the, into the gospel relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and therefore God the Father. Um, but those who don't, I think this is a very real image and a very real picture to, to, to remind them of what awaits them, not just here, but in eternity. And yet, in the midst of all this, we would expect to see mourning. And yet, that's not what we see. Now, certainly in other places, we, we do get that. We do understand that. right? The nations are mourning because of their, their, their refusal to bow, their need to Christ. But here, we have, we have something different. Because in 5 through 7, we have the angels praising God, these messengers of God praising God. We have, we have God's people praising him. 
We have the, the, the people of God, the messengers of God, proclaiming God's greatness upon, upon the nations, uh, despite their refusal to bow the knee and bend the knee. And notice what they say about the Lord. They say, first, they say, you are righteous. That's the first thing they say to God in their praise. They say, you are righteous. In other words, God, you're correct for doing this. You have every right to do this, and you are correct in performing this because justice has come. Justice has finally come. Justice has finally been poured forth, um, and justice is, is coming. And God is doing justly. Second of all, though, they say you are the Lord, don't they? They say, they say you are the Lord. You are righteous, O Lord. That's what he says. And in concert with the other, uh, with the other applications uh, of God, right, it refers to what we call in the Old Testament the tetragrammaton, the, the, the proper name of God. Right? It, 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 it is in reference to the Holy One of Israel, the one true and living God. And then thirdly, we have the, 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 expect, or the, the announcement in this praise to God in His judging the nations that you are eternal. That's, that's what it says here, isn't it? It says, um, which are and were and shall be. Right. Uh, this is a, just another way of talking about God's eternal, eternality, God, God being from eternity to eternity. God doesn't have a beginning. God doesn't have an end. God has always been. God will always be. There is none like him. He is from eternity to eternity. And that God is the same and he does not change in any of this. Right. And this is a glorious and wonderful admission by the messengers of God who proclaim the, the, who proclaim the praises and the goodness of God in judging the nations for the refusal to bow the knee, for the refusal to honor Christ. And so he says, in the, the messengers of God are praising him and proclaiming his greatness because he is the God who is and who was and who is to come. And who does not change because he is from eternity to eternity. But then these angels, they go on and they say something else. Um, first of all, because you have judged thus, right? You, you, have, you have judged. So, so you are the judge of all of the world. You are the judge. You are the one that brings justice. I mean, there's so much silliness going on in the world right now over social justice, but God is the only one who can bring true and lasting justice to the world. God is bringing true and will bring true and lasting and biblical judgment to the world and to the nations. God will right every wrong, set things right. I'm not saying we shouldn't obviously care about the suffering. Uh, we should. I'm not saying we shouldn't care about those uh, who, are, who are suffering uh, unjustly. We should. But uh, God is the one who, who is going to set everything right because he is the creator, because he is the judge, because he is the eternal one. And so we, we praise God. They pray, God is praised by the messengers of, of uh, his messengers here uh, by saying, because you have judged, you are right in doing this. You are good and you are right and therefore you deserve to be praised because you have judged like this. God could have chosen to judge the nations any way that he chose. And yet he chooses this way. And yet he chooses this way. And in doing this, he proves that he is right in doing this. There is no compromise in the judgment of God. There's no compromise when judgment comes. But they go on. The messengers of God go on. 
Um, and they say, for they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for, for they are worthy. Um, and I heard another out of the altar say, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. So again, the idea of, of God being the almighty God, the, the one who is, who is uh, in the Old Testament uh, in uh, El Shaddai in Genesis chapter 17 in verse 1 when he appears to Abraham and he pronounces that he is God almighty to Abraham. So this, is, this, is, this is hearkening back to that reality. That the, that the messengers of God are proclaiming him to be the great and mighty, almighty one, the one who does this. And, and why does he do this, right? So, so we, have to, we have to keep this in memory. Right? You have judged us, but, but why have you judged us, right? Verse 6, for they, the nations, have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for they... Are worthy now. Notice, notice, John uh, or the the messengers of God are setting up a parallel here, a parallel praise. They are praising God for being worthy of of their of of these messengers' praises and the praises of all of His saints. So they are God is worthy to receive these praises. But then He is setting up a parallel in this passage to say, "But God, not only are you worthy of our praise, but they are worthy to receive." their judgment so God is worthy of praise but the nations are worthy of the judgment that they receive and so he says true and righteous are your judgments true and righteous true and right true and good true and perfect true and 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 correct God are you in doing this so you are Almighty, and you alone can do this. Then there's sixthly, there is the sixth reality here, uh, the last one, and it says, um, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. The idea here of um, God's righteousness, worthiness, is, is because of his holiness, and again, this is a contrasting between the nations and Christ, the nations and God. The nations are worthy of, of judgment because of their, their wickedness. The Lord is worthy of his praise because of his character. The nation's character is that of treacherous and, and wicked and, and wrong and sinful. And God is, God is worthy because he is good and righteous. He is right and he is holy and he is perfect and he is sinless and he is, he is perfect in all, of his, in all perfection. He is worthy then of his praise. These are worthy of their punishment because they have slain the blood, or they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, the martyrs. And blood will be paid with blood. Blood will be paid with blood. And this is, this is why capital punishment, even today, is not wrong. From the very beginning, God created, from the creation order, God established that, uh, that if a man murders someone intentionally, right? Not, not, not manslaughter, not, you know, not, uh, not accidental homicide or something like that, but, but, but actually intentionally kills someone, right? They are to pay uh, with their life. And in reality here, God is ultimately judging and bringing about capital punishment to its, to its full effect by judging the nations. So, 
I think I would say to us as we sort of close up here, as we close in on our time, um, I would simply say to us as, your, as God's people that we should remember that our God is, is the God of all, of all goodness and righteousness and, and, and holiness, which means this which means that we owe him our worship because he has paid the penalty of our sin. He, through his son, Jesus Christ, has paid for the penalty of our sin through his son's shed blood on the cross. And he has paid the penalty that was due us so that we could be made right with him and be given the holiness of God, untarnished through faith in Christ. And so we should worship our God, remembering his greatness and goodness and mercy. We should preach and proclaim the message of the gospel by calling sinners to repentance and belief in the gospel. Remembering, as I said this morning in Matthew chapter 28, that, this, that Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20 is a promise of victory, not a promise of defeat. God promises victory, overturning the nations through the gospel. Overcoming the nations through the gospel. And in the nations, those nations who do refuse, they will in fact taste the wrath of God. The holiness of God will be made clear to them. What a fearful thing it is for anyone to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10.31 tells us this. So I, I say this to us with the hopes that Perhaps this will motivate us in our worship, motivate us in our evangelistic efforts, in our children and our grandchildren and our, our homes and our, our families, as well as in, uh, in, in our communities, in our workplaces, our recreational places, the places we go for the glory of God and for the sake of the gospel, that sinners would, 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 would hear the gospel. We would be bold in proclaiming the gospel of grace to sinners, that the nations would be transformed by the power of the gospel. And to that end, let us pray and, and work and labor to those ends. Let's pray together. Father, may you now bless your word. Help us, Father, we pray, to give us, uh, to, to help us to, um, to, to worship and to serve and to, uh, to, to make much of Christ. Help us to, um, to sing now in closing. And uh, as we are dismissed, may you dismiss us uh, in, the, in the power of your Holy Spirit and uh, for the sake.